When I was 15 years old, I started my first fucking job. Like many of you motherfuckers probably did too. Except I was a little more fucked up. I worked at something called a horse insemination plant. Every goddamn day, I would get up in the morning and I'd go to this fucking barn and I'd have to walk down a line with a horse on either goddamn side of me. These horses were fully erect and I had to grasp in each hand a throbbing horse cock and rub it until completion and collect it in a fucking jar. This motherfucker who owned this place was selling this shit for a million dollars a fucking gallon and I was getting paid four dollars a goddamn hour. There are three motherfucking people in this goddamn world. Three. There's the man who owns the horse and gets the money. There's the man who has the money and gets the horse. And there's us, me, you, you, you. We jack off the fucking horses and we get nothing. You're listening to 66.6 FM, Radio TOVH, The Flush. Oh yeah, you're listening to another thrilling episode of the Toilet of Hell Radio Show. It's me, Joe Thrashenkill, joined by the good and golden boy, the internet's sweetheart. You know him, you love him, the 365 Days of Horror, or as we like to call him, Jordan. Jordan, how are you? I'm good. How are you? You know, it's hard. Uh, you and me, we kind of, we're given this life where we we jack off the horses and, well, we get nothing. It's tough. I, I just flew into the podcast and boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> uh, I, Hate56 uh, posted this clip on his social media channels uh, this week and not on his YouTube channel, which... Uh, which is unfortunate because I was trying to bring this up on a big TV to show a bunch of friends yesterday and I couldn't do it. <laughs> uh, but this is a clip from Red Death uh, in 2015 in Seattle, I believe. I like the response where people are like, you know they have machines that do that for you, right? <laughs> uh, I have never heard... I, granted, I'm not into animal husbandry or whatever, but I have a passing familiarity with it. I don't... I don't think that you, you, you do this shit by hand. <laughs> well, we're going to have to consult uh, Jordan Peterson on his uh, latest tweet about, uh, what was it, China milking <sighs> their men to expand uh, their birth rate, and it was just a weird porno. Yeah, I, I know that uh, last week I briefly mentioned Jordan Peterson in the form of uh, you know making fun of Venom Prison for liking that suit. Uh, and of course, we got fucking weirdos coming out of the woodwork on that one, right? Did you see that shit? We said the buzzword, and uh, they immediately jumped in to let you know what they think. Yeah, the fucking NPC activation alarm, am I right? Uh, anyway, uh, if, it's been deleted now, so you guys missed out. But uh, last night, Jordan Peterson uh, retweeted um, what appeared to be uh, extreme fetish porn. <laughs> Uh, with the caption uh, that communist China was uh, up to something nefarious. How would you describe uh, what what device was going on there? 
I, well, I think it's a device the vocalist from Red Scare should have used for his horse milking operation. It's a common uh, Twitter joke, a punchline being uh, the dick sucking factory, but this is literally the dick sucking factory. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, there you go. When you're so blinded by rage at, uh, you know, the red menace or whatever, you'll look at, I don't know, what looks like a, I don't know, could be a good time. I think it could be a pretty good time and say, ah, no, God, goddamn the fucking uh, Chinese communists. I hate them. Uh, Is this one of those situations where someone who's like a virulent anti-LGBT will post on a Twitter like, look at all this gay cruise advertising I'm getting when I when I visit to redstate.com. This is horrible. I, I love that you're mentioning specifically Benny Johnson, the most closeted man in America. <laughs> like one of those things where you found it on your own and uh, you're telling on yourself more than you'd like. Yep, yeah. I mean, look, that's the thing. Uh, the people that go uh, completely off the rails transphobic, it's, it's like a, a deep uh, sexual resentment, right? Like it awakens feelings in you that you like you hate, you hate yourself, and then you you know you can't deal with hating yourself, so you put that outwards where you make uh, other people that have nothing to do with your weird shit miserable. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure that somebody's written some books about this, but uh, this phenomenon, I'm gonna go out on the line here and say I don't like it. I think it's bad. Yeah, not good. <laughs> Uh, so I, I realized that, uh, you know, this was, fuck, how far, how far along was 2015 that eight years ago, right? That, uh, yeah. our man from Red Death gave that speech. I don't even know if Red Death is still a band anymore. I think he has a podcast where he talks about movies. Uh, but if he isn't getting out and pressing t-shirts, uh, about jacking off horses and getting nothing like right now, buddy, you're, you're missing out on a nice little chunk of change. Strike while the iron is hot. You have like a one week window where you can make some money off this. Do it now, or somebody will do it for you. Uh, mm-hmm. You you want to you want to capitalize on your intellectual property there, my friend. So it'll end up on a t shirt hell or something like that, and then it's gone. It's out in the world. It's like the don't tase me, bro. Didn't uh, copyright it soon enough and lost that on millions. Does t shirt hell still exist? I don't know. Do you? Do our younger listeners have any idea what T-shirt hell is? <laughs> I don't know what any of our younger listeners know. It was a Web 1.0 thing uh, where you know you had this uh, this website that uh, existed specifically to make the most offensive T-shirts that you you know you could get. This is before cards, before humanity existed. That if you wanted to let people know you were a sociopath. <laughs> uh, all isn't of the- that now what? Isn't that now what? Uh, what's it? Shirts that go hard. Essentially, yeah, but th- those are a little bit more uh, capricious. They they have a bit a bit more levity than the shit from T-shirt hell, which were like things like uh, uh, I abort babies for fun or whatever. Uh, just generally misanthropic things that if you wore out in public, you would probably rightfully get your ass kicked. Uh, the I'm, only I'm falling down, I'm falling down a hole right now because T-shirt hell does still exist. Jesus. And according to Wikipedia, T-Shirt Hell was founded by Sunshine Megatron in 2001. All right. Originally named Aaron Landau Schwarz, Megatron legally changed his name in November 2006 following an online contest where users voted on his new name. Um, Click on Aaron Schwartz because that name is familiar and not in a good way to me. 
Uh, well, this is just Wikipedia, which doesn't link to anything else. Ah, uh, okay. At least for that name. All right, we'll follow up on that another time. Uh, but uh, yes, uh, I guess it still exists, so you can go there and let people know that you suck and you uh, have disposable income to let people know you suck. Uh, where are we going with this? Um, we got a show here. We got things that we need to talk about, right? We, we do. We actually have lots of things to talk about. Oh, boy. Here we go. Um, first up, well, where do you want to start? I'll, I'll let you choose, man. Let's start with something fun. Just nice and fun, and we'll ease people into the bad stuff. We could talk about the Rocklahoma lineup. You know, I'm always down uh, for these these red state festivals that uh, tour across the country. I always have a good time looking at these lineups. Let's 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 kind of dig into this one. Yeah, I I saw this when it first came out, and when I looked through the whole lineup, I said none of these are surprises. This is exactly <laughs> who would I would I would expect to play Rocklahoma and all of its like subsidiary other festivals that pop up that all just kind of share the same bands. Yeah. So, I mean, Rocklahoma is, uh, I think this is generally the first one that gets announced for the, uh, festival season or am I wrong there? I could be, I could be wrong. No, I think there's other ones. This tends to be one of the bigger ones cause it's really smack dab in the middle of the country. And, you know, for as much as we make fun of it and are going to make fun of it, they do get big bands for it. They do. This this is like the big festival for a, a good chunk of the country. And like I said, other festivals tend to pick out a lot of these bands or they're like weird festival touring packages where like Godsmack will only play maybe 10 shows this year and eight of them are playing these festivals and the other two are playing casinos for obscene amounts of money. So. Yeah, you got your Rocklahomas, your Blue Ridge Rock Fest, your... Uh, Carolina Rebellion. Cal- Carolina Rebellion, of course, yeah. Um, the the Bible Belt of hard rock and festivals, essentially. Yeah, it's for people roughly around our age and older who don't go to concerts very often either because they just don't come to their part of the country or uh, they just don't have enough money to go to a lot of shows, so... Yep. This is here's the lineup. Like I said, Godsmack, which appears to be the big headliner. And what I like about with what's going on with Godsmack right now is we talked about it last week. They had to cancel their South American tour because of lack of ticket sales. Yeah. And one of the members just said, like, we're we don't really tour Europe because we don't make money there either. I just saw that too. We never we've never made any money in Europe. It's like, are you okay? So you strictly do the U.S. then, right? I mean, I suppose they are the quintessential American hard rock band where they are popular in exactly one country and can't make money anywhere else. And you could look towards all sorts of different reasons for that. But it is interesting to see a band that has been popular in some form or another for 25 years to just not break out anywhere else. It's like the reverse UK bands coming to the US yeah. effect. They're yeah. only popular in America. I mean, I talk a lot of shit on Godsmack deservedly, but uh, they were legitimately huge here for a while. One of the first songs I learned how to play on guitar was a Godsmack song. Uh, so, you know, they've been, they done been around a while. Uh, they are in the American fabric uh, as much as it is, uh, you know, their music used to torture detainees in other countries. <laughs> Well, the people in Oklahoma can now enjoy do 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 get back, yeah. <laughs> and following up on that, also one of the big names on this, Pantera. It's kind of wild to me that Godsmack has higher billing than Pantera on this. Yeah, 
Hey, well, I guess Pantera has been gone longer, and it's not the original Pantera, et cetera, et cetera. And probably people, I don't know. Would people be more excited to see Godsmack than Pantera in prior Oklahoma? I don't know, man. Uh, could be just, you know, Pantera hasn't been a thing for 20-some years now, so maybe uh, maybe the, the majority of the buying public for this wants the band that's been there on their modern rock radio every day, not, yeah. not the ones that I, left them. I think Godsmack gets more radio play than Pantera does uh, in modern times, so maybe that has something to do with it as well. Could be. Uh, we got Robert Zombie, of course. Um, mm-hmm. I've never seen him play live, but uh, everyone tells me he puts on a real good show. I saw him the year he played the OzFest second stage, and mm-hmm. it was just the jeans and t-shirt version. He didn't like have all the robots and stuff, which was a little bit of a bummer, but it was still fun. It was still a good time. Uh, it was when it might have been House of a Thousand Corpses or The Devil's Rejects was coming out, and uh, he had people throw out beach balls with like the name on it, huh. and he told people, he's like, He's like, don't pop it and sell it on eBay. They're not worth anything. It's (laughs) 10 cents of plastic. And um, he also goofed on someone in the front row who was like in corpse paint and all black. And uh, he called him Count Chocula. (laughs) It was a fun fun time. Uh, That sounds fun. Uh, We also got uh, Limp Biscuit here, which, hmm. I don't know. This has been a pretty limp uh, rejuvenation of the band, I would say. I think they had their moment, uh, probably coupled with COVID restrictions being lifted and people around our age being all yes, queen, I remember, in 1999 as well. Yes. And uh, I don't know. It just kind of is what it is at this point. And any new music they put out, I don't think people are actually going to be into it. I think it's going to be more of an ironic sort of thing. But uh, maybe the young people will want to see them. Yeah, I've seen exactly one person uh, who was hyped on the new Limp Biscuit record. I think that was Murder Brian. <laughs> <laughs> As to be expected. Yep. Uh, let's see. We got Bush, which I am an apologist for. Uh, I, you know, that's a mark on my character or whatever. I like that band. Bush is a good band. Was it 16 Stone is like every song is a hit? Yeah, dude. Like 16 Stone sold like 10 trillion records for a good reason. (laughs) Yeah, they're a good rock band. I have no problem with them. Uh, And then we have the dark side of Bush, which is Chevelle. (laughs) (laughs) The Wario to their Mario, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, they kicked their brother out a long time ago, and I don't know if he ever came back, so I don't know how... That's been working out during Thanksgiving visits, but whatever. Chevelle is fine. It is radio rock. I've never been offended. It's not like, oh, God, Chevelle. Yeah. It's more like, eh, it's, it's all right. Uh, we got Corey Taylor here, which I don't think anybody wants to see. Like, if you want to see Corey Taylor, you want to see one of his two insanely successful bands, not him. <laughs> and he's putting out a new record, a new solo record, Corey motherfucking Taylor, part two electric boogaloo and he's trying to hype it up big time saying how it's so good and just not buying it yeah nobody wants this shit uh we got daltry daltry this was like the american idol guy right yeah he was the american idol guy who was briefly in a real band i forget which one um let's just pretend it was foreigner and yeah. uh yeah he's doing this thing then uh, apparently pretty successful with it. Couldn't mm-hmm. couldn't be caught dead listening to this shit though. It's not not for me, man. 
Uh, here's one for the Jordans. It's Theory of a Dead Man. I am aware of who Theory of a Dead Man was. They were uh, came to prominence post-Nickelback success. They were mm-hmm. one of those bands where I think they had one or two songs on the radio and were somewhat interchangeable with the like sad, douchey guy rock stuff that <laughs> was in like the early 2000s. Uh, we got uh, Ministry, uh, who have quietly uh, kind of come back after kicking out uh, Sin Quirin, who uh, I think we can probably state uh, definitively is a pedophile. <laughs> I'm pretty confident with that statement. Uh, we got Asking Alexandria. All right. Uh, Code Orange, they're everywhere. Gwar, uh, which is getting unfairly low billing here, in my opinion. And they should be... Top billing. I remember when Sounds of the Underground 15, 20 years ago did uh, like their first or second tour go around and they had Guar's like the halftime show, which I thought was kind of a fun idea. <laughs> uh, we got Mammoth WVH, which is that uh, the Eddie Van Halen's kid in that one? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, we got POD. We are, we are the youth of a nation. Praise him. Uh, we got a Treyu. Still there. Stick, still kicking around. Uh, we got Ginger. Uh, Skid Row. Buck Cherry. You like Buck mm. Cherry, Jordan? No. No. no, no. <laughs> Today, one of the funniest videos I think I've ever seen online is um, this uh, backyard wedding of uh, this middle aged uh, woman uh, walking down the aisle for her wedding to Crazy Bitch by Buck Cherry. <laughs> It's so fucking funny, dude. I gotta send it to you. <laughs> That's like a, you see, I don't know, on BuzzFeed or places like red flags on my wedding day where I knew it wasn't going to work out. That's like a, that's like someone waving a red tarp. <laughs> it's like throwing little bags of Coke at the bride and groom while they're walking away instead of rice. <laughs> uh, we got Warrant, uh, whoever is in Warrant now, and L.A. Guns, whoever is in L.A. Guns, Kicks with whoever... Which version? Which <laughs> version of L.A. Guns? We need to know. Kicks with whoever is in that. Uh, Filter, uh, who had their heyday uh, with a Spawn soundtrack. Fuel, who is a band I don't think I've thought about in a good while. They had, what was it, uh, Hemorrhage? Was that their big hit? Hemorrhage. They had a couple of big hits that all... Uh, interestingly sounded pretty different from each other. Um, I don't know if the main guy, he left Fuel, he came back, he left, so I don't know which version of this it is. I assume it's still the same guy, Brett Scallion. That's a so, cool name. Uh, <laughs> it's a delicious name. <laughs> so I, I, I'd sit through them. I think that would be fun, at least to hear the hits. In my hands, in my hands again. Too far away. We got something called Aaron Jones, which I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Do you know Aaron? I do not know. Uh, Blackstone Cherry. You familiar with that one? I think they were briefly on Roadrunner for like an album or two. Just uh, rock band. They might be on Eureka now. Just one of those bands, mm. you know. Uh, Mothica. Do you know Mothica? No idea. We're getting to the point where I don't know any of this shit. Uh, from Ashes to New, which sounds like it could have been a variety of bands with a similar name. I don't know these guys. I think it's probably in the same vein as Three Days Grace. Uh, that sounds right. Uh, New Year's Day, very lazy name, if you ask me. Uh, Crobot. 
You remember Crobot? I remember Crobot. Fame on Fire? I do not know them. Bullet Boys. It's the fucking wrestlers, right? <laughs> the, that's the Bullet Club. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I guess people who are in the Bullet Club are Bullet Boys. That's true. That's true. Uh, you got Steven Adler alone. Are they going to let him do... Uh, Shit, what, is, what does he do? Fucking Aerosmith songs? <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> Dayseeker, I don't know. Plush, I don't know. Dead Poet Society, way to fuck up your Google results. Birkin Love, B-R-K-N. <laughs> Just big on Birkenstock. <laughs> Dead West, Shot of Poison. Ooh, that, that has to be a Poison cover band, the way they're dressed. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, 90 Pound Wrench. Small Town Syndrome, that would be S-I-N-drome. Uh, Jesse Kill, step off my shit, lady. Uh, Snakebite Whiskey. <laughs> what a fucking asshole name. Uh, Dames Rocket, Dames. Uh, Bat Allison. <laughs> Stonebreed, C-N. <laughs> That's S-I-I-N. Nova Rex and Voodoo Moonshine. I bet they play with Snakebot Whiskey all the time. There's a steep drop off with like the last 20 bands on this. There sure is. And to cap off the shit sandwich, you get to see hosted by Eddie Trunk. <laughs> of course. Uh, what do you think? You going to make the trip to Pryor, Oklahoma? I think I might have to miss this year. I might go. Just to have some content for the fucking site. Like, it's not that far away from anymore, you know? We probably could get you a press pass. The thing is, like, September 1st through 3rd, the average temperature of those days is going to be 190 degrees outside. Uh, but, you know, I'll do it. I'll do it because I love our listeners. But, you know, there's a noticeable, you know, big-name act missing from Rocklahoma. Uh, where, where is our fair Ronnie Radke? Speaking of tours I don't want to go to, <laughs> this has been quite the week for Ronnie Radke, Ronnie Radke, ying, ying. Uh, so the, his band, Falling in Reverse, is going out on tour, and it's like one of those weird tours where they have like three dates with these bands and five dates with these bands, which I never particularly like, I think, like unless you're an older legacy act, that like maybe you're not going to go out on a, a big tour, like... I think it was Bouncing Souls has like Swingin' Utters playing a couple dates and yeah. then a Wilhelm screenplay. Like, that's fun. Yeah. But I think for younger bands, it's like, well, we're going to play three dates. That's cool and all, but might be more beneficial to play like 15 dates instead of like having to rent a van and all these other sorts of things for just a little jaunt. But the summer tour they announced is going to have Ice Nine Kills, mm. Mm. Slaughter to Prevail, mm. Mm. Uh, Catch Your Breath, who I do not know. I don't know them. I'm sure it's not geared towards us. Yeah, sure. Under Oath. I had enough of Under Oath in like 2004, thank you. I was never into Under Oath, thankfully. Um, Spirit Box, which briefly had a moment like two years ago. And Crown the Empire. And people may remember Crown the Empire, that we talked about them a few weeks ago. They were dropped off or forced off a tour opening for Motionless and White after there were allegations against the guitarist vocalist Brandon Hoover, who was uh, publicly accused of domestic violence. 
Yeah, and as soon as that happened, Radke is like, oh shit, this is my boy. I gotta get him on everything that I'm doing now. They're canceling, canceling, crown the empire. I, okay, I need to make a, a, I need to make a song drop for Ronnie Radke because he keeps coming up. I think it's got to be somewhere along the lines of, I will fight you in a box. I will fight you with a fox. <laughs> I love that, like bringing out your child on stage be like, you see my fucking kid, motherfucker? I will fucking assault the shit out of you. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit because we kind of revisited a little bit. But uh, I, the reason why we're kind of talking about this is we've talked about Ronnie Radke a lot and all of his many problems and allegations and going to jail for violating parole for being involved in a murder for bashing in bashing in girls faces with microphone stands to this week he was also accused of sexual assault and the woman on twitter has now had to uh, lock her account because of obvious uh, people harassing her yeah the people that there you go ride or die for ronnie goddamn radke of all people all right. Of all people. Of all people. And and after this announcement was made, uh, Under Oath, Spirit Box, and Ice Nine Kills have experienced a lot of blowback from their fans. Uh, in particular, Spirit Box, who have like spoken out about uh, abuse and uh, people in the music industry who have taken part in abusing people, and fans were not happy. Like. Very not happy talking about it and linking to vocalist Courtney LaPlante's comments on podcasts talking about this sorts of stuff. And um, in the days since that's happened, Spirit Box has removed all mention of the tour, like on their social media. That ought to fix it. So we'll, so we'll see if they actually stick around on it. Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> It seems pretty clear to me, like, because uh, I, I listened to that clip she did with uh, the guy that used to do Stuff You Will Hate, uh, was it the, the punk rock NBA. She was talking. Who's his own, who has his own problems. Yeah, she, well, she, one of the things she mentioned specifically was, like, groom, people grooming uh, women within the industry. I was like, hmm, interesting person to be talking to about that, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, she's just making a statement like the bar is on the floor. Like we, we need to have some level of accountability for people who are clear bad actors. And I can't think of a worse one really than Ronnie Radke. So what are we doing here? You know, you and I have had our criticisms of Spirit Box as being like some kind of strange industry creation. So I don't know exactly how much. Uh, like control these people have over their own careers, but it seems like this should be an easy win to just not do it. What do you think? Yeah, so, some people were saying that this is a label thing, like attaching them to a tour, making them go out with these bands. I don't know. I don't know how much of that is true or not. I think bands would have at least some say unless they completely signed away their entire souls. Um, so we'll see if they actually stay on this tour. Um, I would suspect not because, again, they're only playing like three dates on it anyway. And it's not like they need to be on this tour. It's not like I can't miss sort of thing. It's just like you're better off not. Yeah. And Uh, you just you you hurt a lot of goodwill with your own fans. Absolutely. Like uh, if you want to get into 
whatever niche that Ronnie Radke has carved for himself, I'm sure it's a lucrative market, but thus far you've done nothing for, in your career to prepare yourself for, you know, dealing with these cretins. <laughs> and don't get it wrong, Ronnie Radke is a huge cretin. It's talking about this woman who uh, accused him about abuse, like, there's tweets that are still up about him saying awful things about this woman and posting pictures of her, uh, which led to a, a back and forth between uh, Radke and one of the members of Monuments who we talked about last week and we'll refer back to later on in the show with another story. And it's just a big back and forth. And the guy from Monuments, his name is Andy Sizek, was like trying not to f- get into a fight with him, but... Ronnie Radke being Ronnie Radke is just like, I'll fuck your fucking cock up, bro. <laughs> don't even, you don't want this fucking smoke. And I'm just like, Ronnie Radke's almost 40. He's turning 40 this year and he's still yeah. doing this stuff. Still doing it. Like just no sense of personal control whatsoever. Just a, and a completely exposed raw asshole nerve. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what's wrong with him. Uh, I don't have the clinical ability to diagnose it, but this is a deeply fucked up man. Little man syndrome. Could be. How tall is he? I thought I thought he was a normal height. Well, he acts like he's about four nine. That's true. That's true. And after these accusations came out, he tweeted about his tour: forty thousand presale tickets in less than two days. Who is mad again? Point them out. LMAO. So that's the child man that you're dealing with. Sucks shit. This dude sucks shit. The music sucks shit and the person's even worse. And as we continue, again, a big week for him. Uh, someone on through his TikTok had reached out to him uh, talking about, Ronnie, you have to admit there's a lot of really bad people in rock music. Um, which was like in response to something else that Ronnie Radke said. So he replied, there's not. You have to understand that things 20 years ago were way different, and that's called culture shift and culture change and change in society. And people with low IQs are the loudest on Twitter and TikTok, and they're the ones calling people out for saying things 20 years ago that were okay to say then, but they're not okay to say now. There's even things from 20 years ago that people would do that were not okay, but people didn't care as much, and people want to call them out. And like holding people... 20 years ago, murder was okay. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone was doing murder. Yeah. And just uh, if you want to do the 20 years ago, this is okay. I remember people being mad at Eminem for saying slurs in his songs. Yeah, it was, that was uh, a big deal. He and had to do he like needed, an, an apology with fucking Elton John. <laughs> it was yeah, he awful. Needed El- he needed Elton John to be his human shield on TV to make sure people don't, uh, as they would say now, cancel him. But yeah. um, it, it it's one of those things where like, even when things happened 20 years ago in the early 2000s, which, you know, you had the man show. And people were still doing blackface and things like that. Like it's it wasn't okay then. I think there was just less of a social media presence and people being conscious of that sort of thing. So while yes, times do change, it's not like it's not the way he's trying to say it is. Yeah. I understand that we as a society are obsessed with celebrities to a point of demonizing them, but that's always been a thing. But at this point you guys are just demonizing everyone and you're not allowed to say anything. And everyone's afraid of saying things. I'm not afraid of saying nothing. I've said terrible things. 
I've said really good things. I've done great things. I've done bad things. That doesn't make me necessarily an evil person or an good person. It just <laughs> makes me a human being. All right. Whatever. Uh, this guy needs... Uh, he honestly needs to be locked up. <laughs> I'm prison abolition for everybody but Ronnie Radke. <laughs> it seems like he's he's primed for just a complete implosion. And... Uh, if you want to say like people change or whatever, prove it. Prove that you were not the person you were when you were 23. And if anything, I think you're in some ways a lot worse now. Yeah. You're and you're you're writing songs about eh, people are canceling me. Again, you were almost 40 years old. You were challenging people to fight you on stage. You were throwing fits and tantrums and your circle of fans and well-wishers and people like you was going to get smaller and smaller until you're in your 60s and you're still trying to do this sort of thing and you end up alone. And your girlfriend, Soraya from AEW, needs to run. This is a bad person. Yeah. Just thinking about uh, The Irishman, but with uh, starring Ronnie Radke instead. And, but instead of making it all the way to like being a miserable old man in a nursing home, he just gets beaten to death in a bar fight. <laughs> yeah, like if I want to compare it to someone who was like young and reckless and did all sorts of things, you could think of obviously it's on a different scale, but like an Axl Rose yeah. who had all sorts of personal problems, fits on stage, starting riot, like all this sorts of stuff. Now, Axel seems pretty calm. He does. He makes jokes on Twitter and like just plays his shows and puts out some music occasionally and is just, I don't know, a man in his 40s, maybe 50s at this point, and is just doing his thing. He, at least in terms of the public eye, has calmed down, has changed, has done something, and I don't see that happening with Ronnie Radke. Axel decided to get on like Lexapro or something, and it is working for him. Uh, yeah, he is medicated properly. I'm I'm no big. I, I'm really not a fan of Guns N' Roses either. But uh, the thing is, uh, the, their musical output, it, head and shoulders, towering over that of Falling in Verse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I I still think uh, this is a ticking time bomb uh, in in multiple ways. Uh, and whatever happens with it is going to be deeply fucked up. <gasps> And if you're a band, you don't want to be caught in the crosshairs when it happens. No, you don't. Run. Just get away from this shit. I, I promise you, it's gonna, it'll be better for your career in the, the long run. Um, let's talk about something a little bit different, if that's okay. Sure. Something that I actually I like. Is that weird? Is that a weird thing to talk about? I guess we could do it for one five-minute section of the show. Okay. No more. Absolutely no more than that. Uh did you see that Dave Lombardo is doing a solo album? I did. He's doing Jazz Odyssey on drums. Yes. Uh, this is a percussion bass record. So like 12 songs, I think maybe a little bit of piano or something in there, but mostly drums. Uh, I listened to the preview track that they put up with the pre-order. I really dig it. I think this is really interesting shit from a guy who actually is, you know, of course, a master drummer. Um, did you listen to this at all? I listened to about 15 seconds of it. It, go, it goes places, what I'm saying. It, it moves places. Uh, he was, it's, 
like in the release here, it says that it's coming out on Epicac and that it was actually like uh, that Mike Patton's like, you need to do a solo drum record. He's like, maybe I do. <laughs> it's like the most Mike Patton thing to do. It absolutely is. Uh, and it reminded me um, that in the, I want to say the late 90s, uh, Matthew Barney released a piece of the Cremaster Cycle, this super pretentious, uh, like five part uh, art video thing, uh, where uh, Dave Lombardo soundtracked uh, a man getting covered in bees. So he's not—he's like kind of familiar with high art stuff, in addition to being like you know the greatest drummer that thrash metal ever put out. <laughs> I like it. I'm excited about it. I'm probably gonna pick this one up. Well, you'll have to let us know how it is and tell us all about the boom boom baps and the parts and all those fun things. Well, he said that he was uh, his primary inspiration here was uh, Tito Puente, who uh, of course uh, set the world on fire with the uh, samba about uh, Mr. Burns. <laughs> Burns, do 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 do. So uh, overall. I think that's going to be an interesting one, uh, one to check out for sure. If you want to hear something that is not uh, Dave Lombardo going along with um, the most atonal solo you've ever heard in your life. All right. We, we covered something good and nice on this. We don't have to do that anymore. Wait, what, what awful pile of shit do you want to get into next? We can continue with the sort of good things. As we mentioned before, Monuments, last week on the show, we talked about how they refused to sell merchandise at one of the venues that they are playing at because they are taking an obscene amount of – the venue was taking an obscene amount of money from their merch sales, mm-hmm. somewhere upwards of like 47% at this venue, I believe in Greece. Yep. Yep. That's a lot of change. And we we talked about and referenced and hoped for like maybe some bands following suit, banding together and you know not letting these venues take advantage of them, maybe even hoping for a major band to ask for a cut of alcohol sales or bar sales in a way to uh, kind of stick it back to them. Well, I don't know. it's we'll see if this is a thing that continues on, but the uh, French experimental band Igor, is following suit because they were playing uh, this past weekend at O2 Kentish Town Forum in London, and they refused to sell merchandise. Um, They said in a statement via Instagram, we'd like to inform you that we won't be selling merch at our London show tonight. The venue at O2 Forum K-Town is asking for a 25% cut of our merch sales. We could... uh, We could have raised up the prices of our T-shirts and hoodies, but it doesn't seem fair to us to have our UK fans paying more than they should, especially because the venue is asking for a spectacular percentage for no particular reason. We tried to negotiate with them, but they are not interested in helping us at all. For those of you who would like to purchase some merchandise online, our website will be updated with new designs after the tour. You can check out our website for more info. Thanks for your support. Uh... I think that's an interesting way of like, uh, you know, kind of bypassing all of this. And it, again, like you, while you're taking a stand, you are able to be like, yo, drop that merch link. <laughs> you might as well. But it's uh, why are you charging even more than the already egregious amount of money for it? No reason for nothing. I know some venues even make their employees man the merch tables so that they get their 20 percent so mm. they don't get undercut or anything like that. 
it's just it's ugh, it's so scummy all around. And Cult of Luna had actually kind of voiced their support for Igor, saying, "This must stop. Touring post COVID in a complete in a completely different world is a struggle, and for some bands, an economic nightmare." Merch sales are a huge part of our touring budgets and the reason some bands, including us, are able to continue to provide the show we want, to invest in good production, pay our team, etc. We refuse to raise merch prices because some venues are asking for merch cuts, and this is becoming a norm. We stand with Igor. What is this saying uh, about uh, touring? Like, you became a musician uh, to play music, but what you really are is a traveling t-shirt salesman? Like, uh, that's, that's actually how the bills get paid? So, yeah, taking a full quarter cut of that seems like, uh, yeah, I don't know. You're not providing me any good or services with this. You're just taking. <laughs> and you might as well set up your van across the street with your merch for sale after the show. Absolutely. Fuck these guys. And uh, you should start advertising it. Tell people in the crowd, this is why you can't buy shirts because of this. But maybe do it at the end of your set so they don't cut you off. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, why bother? Why bother selling it inside when you could just say, hey, meet us outside or, you know what, buy it online and because of shipping prices, we'll give you a 10% discount or something like that. You think they have VFW holes in London? I think they just have pubs where people go and tell their war stories. Ah, that makes sense. Getting Uh, redder and redder. uh, It it does make sense to me that, like, I don't know. I, I can't tell you relatively how big Igor is as a band. I mean, I'm familiar with them, which means that they probably uh, do pretty good. But surely, like, maybe the right move is doing shows at community centers and shit rather than trying to go through these venues. Like, I realize that you're not going to be able to sell booze probably at these things, but maybe pick your battle here. What do you think? A lot of the, these tours are usually not set up by a band of that size. It's done through booking agents who do all the hard work and you know get them the venues, especially touring, touring in Europe where you have to deal with different countries, travel plans, passport, like all that sort of stuff. And it's in this situation, it's better to deal with someone who's like, we'll pay you, you just figure it all out, and we just go and play. Um, I'm sure you can... Tell them, like, hey, try to figure this out for us. Try to get us better venues who don't do this. But I don't, you know, I don't know what the situation is for uh, European venues, how many there actually are versus pubs or bars or, you know, the community center that helps uh, save the mountain from the evil corporation yeah. trying to buy it up. I mean, it worked in all of those movies. Like, it's got to, it's got to work now. Worth a shot. It's worth a shot. Bands, I think, have more power than they realize. They just have to be careful with how they want to use it. And I think fans need to know about this sort of thing because the more bands talk about it, the more websites and podcasts talk about it, the more fans know about it. So they understand what's going on. They they don't take it out on the bands if they're at a show and they're like, why, why don't they have T-shirts? I would have bought one. This is dumb. But like, if you know why, then... You could still get your T-shirt elsewhere and not feel like you're getting ripped off. Uh, agreed. And really, like, I know it makes you look like a smaller band, but again, selling the T-shirts yourself out of the van, probably a great solution here. I mean, people want to talk to you after the show and stuff. It'll be good. Yes, people want to come up to you and say, nice set, bro. Yeah, exactly. Ask you about your pedal board. <laughs> 
and then and then tell you about their band that you're going to forget about five seconds after they're gone. Oh, yeah, I'll definitely check it out, man. Thanks for the demo CD. I don't own anything that can play a CD, but I'll definitely listen to it. <laughs> um, I saw a, uh, speaking of uh, bullshit uh, fees and stuff, I saw a, a headline here. It says, Ticketmaster hopes providing education on fees will help their image. Did you see if this? there's one thing that young people like, it's being forced to learn things. Yeah, like I, I get the perception that I'm being screwed here, but if you provide education, I'll understand that it's actually a good thing. <laughs> well, when you put it that way, I'm more than happy to pay an extra 100% of the ticket prices for fees. Yeah, so the uh, CEO of Live Nation, uh, Michael Rapino, Rapino. Uh, says we've got to, we've got to go out and do a much better job so policymakers and consumers understand how the business operates. We've historically not had a big incentive to shout out loud that venues are charging high service fees or artist costs are expensive, but I think now that education is paramount. Um, so he's trying to say like uh, I realize that there's we're in some hot water here, but you got to understand it's not our fault. <laughs> going to educate my foot across his throat he says the artists and again i mentioned this uh, i think the last time we talked about Ticketmaster. the artist takes most of that ticket fee base so the way that the venue the promoter or the ticketing company earns its revenue fees is through the extra fees okay so uh, the people i don't give a shit about they're taking they're taking extra cuts that's great (laughs) all places are taking bigger cuts and it's taking money away from the the bands we want to see and from us personally. Oh, okay. I feel so much better now. Yeah, I th- I just needed a little bit of education. Now I feel good about it. So thanks, uh, Michael Rapino. That's that's been very helpful overall. I don't think that your company should be burned and salted. <laughs> See, it's not a pyramid scheme. And then he flips over the uh, the slide, the deck. photo, yeah, and yeah. it's it's a it's a money cone, and the money goes to the people at the bottom. Exactly. And you're at the bottom, aren't you? Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Do you feel better about uh, service fees and shit now? I don't. Um, and it's only going to get worse. And I, th- I think in the long run, it's going to end up being bad for the venues and then in turn going to be bad for Live Nation and Ticketmaster. I mean, we talk about this a lot, but all of this stuff is so short-sighted. It's like, we got to make money now. We're not trying to make money five years from now. So, whatever. Fuck the future. <laughs> There's less and less venues and more of these bands are having to cancel their tours or not tour as much or only do regional things. I don't know how much longer these places can rely on just charging the people who can actually afford these extra fees. Uh, Obviously, for some artists, it's not going to matter. Taylor Swift or Beyonce, they're going to sell out no matter what they do. But some of these mid-level bands that may play uh, House of Blues or something like that, it's... They're going to end up with less and less money, and next time they come around, they probably won't want to play at these places or can't afford to play at these places anymore. I'm going to go see Morbid Angel next week at one of these venues. I'll talk to Trey, see if he can tell me what's up with this. (laughs) Maybe they just pay him in Funko Pop figures and Sailor Moon bootlegs. Could be. That could be the case. Um, So, uh, Regardless, uh, man, I hate all of these fucking middlemen. And this is all this is, right? Like, what's... I have no use for this. It sucks all over. What is a processing fee? I'll fucking kill you. It is nothing. Yeah. Um, 
Hey, here's something we talked about like uh, on nine episodes. Uh, the uh, the big six. Uh, they finally put out their first single. And you listen to it, right? Yeah. Boy, it's fucking just as generic as we said it was. <laughs> it's it like, is exactly what you think six deathcore vocalists would do. Uh, I could not tell the difference between anyone's voice at all. So there you go. Uh, everybody hurgles and gurgles exactly the same. So they're all, all all equally good at hurgling and gurgling, if you ask me. So the guy from Learner Shore couldn't lend his uh, symphonic magic to this and make it special? Yeah. This is, this is just... Fucking replacement level deathcore. <laughs> Mendoza line deathcore is what I'm saying. I feel like I'm no expert, but I feel like a lot of these bands are kind of like replaceable or interchangeable, I guess is a better word, like yeah. more so than a lot of other genres. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. Like, you have to be like the most dedicated deathcore fan to tell me the difference between traitors and spite you know i don't fucking know <laughs> like even if you want to go with like a punk or a hardcore band you can generally tell when there's differences in sounds you know when one band sounds like agnostic front and another band sounds like sworn enemy like they do sound different even though they're in the same genre whereas like with a lot of deathcore it's you kind of have like the one style of vocalist you kind of have the same tuning, the same breakdowns. And yeah, there is variations. And sometimes when you throw in the little symphonic stuff where you have like an actual guitarist who can play, it does make a difference. But uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just an old man yelling at a cloud. Uh, I don't know, man. Like this shit's all the same to me. Like there is no difference between any of these bands. I could not tell you any, any anyone that's good or bad because they're all the fucking same. <laughs> We'll just get a 15-year-old death correspondence with dangly earlobes to tell us what's what. Yeah, that's what we need. We need uh, a uh, scene uh, woman correspondent and uh, a death bro correspondent to, to help get this straight for us. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's check in on something else here. Uh, last week, we talked a bit about the uh, new TikTok vacation of Spotify. Uh, have you seen the new wrinkle with that? Specifically with the TikTokization, yeah, uh, yes, where it's uh, a mode for like getting little slivers of uh, of music delivered to you. I thankfully haven't had that. I mean, I don't use the Spotify app. I just go on to my computer like an old person and just listen straight off of there. So I guess I don't get the all the little things that people do on the app. Same with like Twitter or other places. Whenever people are like, oh, I have this feature, and like. I don't know. I don't have that. It's not on my. It's not on my internet. Can I get my internet on your internet if I use your computer? It's one of those things, like uh, specifically, like the Spotify app or the Twitter app. Basically, any app. I refuse to update it until it like my phone gets mad at me. It's like I have to do this shit for you now. <laughs> <laughs> You're just gonna force the update. Exactly. I because you know, like with Twitter specifically, like the shit's gonna break. Like if I update that, I'm never going to be able to log back in. <laughs> it's this is this is the final days of Twitter for me. Uh, and with Spotify, I haven't updated because I don't really want this stupid discovery mode. Uh, you know, this thing that is supposed to give you little bits of new music to help expand your palette. Right? You gotta you gotta broaden your horizons. Uh, and some people seem pretty excited about that, like the opportunity to. 
get in there, get in that algorithm and be like, yeah, you should listen to, you know, my local deathcore band as opposed to whatever deathcore band you're listening to. You'll, you'll become a big fan. Um, so Billboard uh, put out an article about this. Uh, have you seen this? Have you heard about this? I haven't. It's a good article and uh, we should talk about it. Uh, the, this uh, particular mode, Discovery, uh, you can get more exposure on the platform, right? Now, if you're an artist, what do you want, right? Exposure. That's that's the big thing that everybody loves. Not money, but exposure. Uh, and, you know, there is, a, there is a slight caveat here. You can have exposure at the expense of money. Have you ever heard of this concept? I think I've heard about it a time or two. This is the oldest fucking trick in the world, and uh, here we are where <laughs> the behemoth uh, in the music space uh, is going ahead and, and, and pulling this shit on everybody that's on here. So, uh, yeah, you can, you can opt in to be on this discovery mode. Maybe your music will get into the algorithm. Maybe it won't, uh, but regardless, uh, you will be getting less of a cut of money. <laughs> it's passive income. Yeah, something like that. For Spotify. Yeah. Um, I, I saw, when I was reading about this, I, I uh, it was a, on a separate article, but um, I learned that, I don't know if you knew this, 100,000 tracks are added to Spotify every day. Did you I know? I saw that. And, and like less than whatever percentage of it actually gets listened to. Yeah. So, uh, boy, what, what an impossible task here, right? Like, even if you do somehow beat every odd possible you opt into the discovery mode and somehow you're a viral sensation well you're going to be cut you're like you're going to be cutting your your pay there by like half <laughs> so with this sort of thing if you were like just in a band for fun like you're you don't make any money off it anyway you have no intentions I can see the appeal of trying to do this. Just sort of like, I want people to hear what I did. I'm having a good time with my friends. Having I like what I do. Yeah, I like what I do. I want more people to listen to it. I don't make band camp sales. It's not a big deal to me. But I want people to enjoy it because it feels good when people say, hey, I really like this song. And you're not interested in making anything out of it. I think that this isn't the worst thing ever. Um, you know, it's... Again, you're relying on zeros and ones to make this all happen. Uh, and if you use the right keywords in the right ways, then maybe this will actually work for you. Uh, the flip side of that, uh, obviously, you're just not making anything off this, and the rich people at the top are. And also, you have to look at whatever the agreements are for Spotify allowing this to happen. Like, let's say you do go viral with one of your songs. Let's say it's a, somehow a big hit against all odds. Does Spotify now own that song? Do they own those 15 seconds of yours? Uh, can you actually capitalize off of that um, because of the, it's their algorithm on their platform? Or does Spotify now get to do whatever they want with it? Can they put it in commercials or something like that? Because you clicked a box that said, yes, I agree. Yeah, I mean, essentially, I don't know. I don't read the terms and conditions on any of this, do you? No, no one does. Yeah. Uh, I, with a previous band, I had put uh, our, our music on Spotify, and I never once looked at any of this. I, 
I would never consider that we would ever get a dime from it. It was just like, sure, uh, this is where people listen to music. That's where I'll put the music. Uh, but again, uh, I am not a smart man, so I wouldn't recommend that. But also, you got to consider that you're you specifically are competing with 37 million songs uploaded every year. Like, this is uh, man. You might as well play the fucking lottery, right? <laughs> When I use the Discover Weekly playlist that they make for me, it's always like known bands yeah. or bands on well-known labels. It's never your local metalcore band that uh, happened to squeak through. So I don't know how beneficial this would be for any small bands anyway. Yeah, uh, it it seems like it's just another way to not pay people. Uh, I, I don't, you know, we'll never get a good look at exactly how this is algorithmically selected, uh, but it doesn't seem good. It doesn't seem good at all. And just trying to be the new TikTok is just bleh, unnecessary. I don't want it. I'm old. Don't make me learn these new things. I want to go back to MySpace. Uh, yeah, that, but because TikTok has been such a runaway success, everything is going to try to ape its functionality. So... Uh, everything, uh, like all of these fucking Silicon Valley dickheads are the least original people on earth. They see something that's working and they all copy it. And that's, so you're going to have to deal with like, uh, <laughs> 15 second videos in the way when you're trying to order a pizza or some shit. It's uh, it's like Ticketmaster Live Nation. They want to make money now instead of six months from now where they could be making billions with a new idea or uh, better functionality or something. It's like everything's getting worse and getting shorter. And uh, I don't know how how much longer places can just try to do this sort of thing without trying to come up with something new and better. Uh, you know, someone is going to come along and do it and there'll be a new TikTok. It'll, you know, Vine went away and that was popular too. One of these days, TikTok will go away and it'll be something else. And I don't know, you'll have old people still doing 15 second dances on Facebook. Well, there's a good, there's a small but a very hopeful chance that all of this tech bullshit can get flushed down the <laughs> toilet really soon. <laughs> have you Possibly seen? Possibly with a Silicon Valley bank going under. Yeah. I'm pretty excited about uh, all of these. Uh, fucking founders and like VC guys, like just fucking weeping in public. I want to see way more of that. Uh, so far, I don't think anybody's had any real losses yet. Uh, there's, we'll find out, I guess on Monday, what happens when the bank opens. <laughs> if the bank opens, if the bank opens, uh, but I hope they all lose their shirts. I hope that entire sector of the economy gets flushed down the goddamn toilet and never comes back. Yeah. But I was reading with that. This is, Peter Thiel is behind all of this. Yeah, he's well, he started the bank run. Yeah. Yeah, he shorted the bank, and uh, I hope actual institutions look into this and ruin him, but it's not going to happen. He's just going to flee to one of the three countries he suddenly has citizenship for. But, uh, you know, kind of funny. I hope one of his blood boys gives him tuberculosis. Uh, yeah, uh, nothing but dickheads top to bottom. Uh, all you can really hope for is that, you know, the next Juicero gets bankrupted sooner rather than later. <laughs> as long as this makes house prices go down, then I'm all for it. That's the thing, though. Like, everything's connected, right? Like, the crypto crash, like, there were a bunch of legitimate, quote-unquote, legitimate institutions that had their fingers all in that shit. 
A lot of people losing their shirts on that. I'm sure a lot of people are going to lose their shirts on this SVB bullshit. And one domino follows another. We'll see. I still think that we're due for just a world-ending depression. <laughs> Someone check in on M Shadows and Avenged Sevenfold. See how they're holding up with this crash. Oh my god, that reminds me, dude. Uh, I got a, I got a DM from a listener uh, this week. Which, by the way, thank you. I love that. I love it when people uh, tell us that they're listening and they they see things that they uh, they want to share with us. Uh, Megadeth, the official at Megadeth account, uh, is doing. Um, let's see. <clears throat> Uh, at Rattleheads NFT, uh, quote, they're disrupting Web3 uh, coming soon. So this is maybe the fifth attempt at NFTs from Megadeth now. Keep going, Dave. It's going to happen sooner or later. Now, one of these is going to work. Now, I, I loved this. I was looking at all the replies. It's all uh, people replying with uh, three fire emojis. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, that's definitely real people interacting with this. They all have um, the knockoff, what is it, board, board Ape Yacht Club images for their uh, their profile pictures. I mean, at this point, doing NFT and like Web3, whatever nonsense, you might as well be singing sea shanties. Uh, I feel like this, you're it, trying it, to... had its little mo- it had its little moment for a month or two, and it is over. It is gone. It is done. And you're still trying to make this a thing. I feel like you're trying to sell me like Metabolife or something. Like this is <laughs> Herbalife. Herbalife. Fuck yeah. This is this is just bottom of the barrel shit, man. You gotta. <laughs> you're still doing this. Get your money out, player. Uh, I, I can't believe it's still happening. It's like still trying to complain about vaccinations three years later. Ash! Segway! Oh, goddamn. Here's the thing. We lo- Fortunately, we don't have that much show left because this is, God, this is just a fucking essay. It sucks. Uh, it is white dudes typing paragraphs. Ash Abeldson, the owner of Sumerian Records, reached out to do an exclusive statement to Metal Sucks about his bizarrely late uh, COVID vaccine uh, paranoia. Um, And this is like fucking, I don't know, how many paragraphs is this? Like 40? I'm not reading all this shit. Are you reading all this shit? No, it goes on and on and on about vaccines and COVID and how he's not a vaccine denialist because he's given his child some vaccines um, but he and his girlfriend got COVID at one point and it was bad, but he still ate burritos. And it's just like, man, like, don't you have a comms person working for Sumerian records who can condense this into two paragraphs? He is shockingly inarticulate. It's bad. So let me share one paragraph out of this whole thing, if that's okay. Yeah. The last thing I'll share is this. Rage Against the Machine was my favorite band growing up. They are what got me into playing music and starting my own band, which then led to me starting the Sumerian. So, you know, we can blame Rage for all of that, too. As a grown-up, I ended up living across the street from Tom Morello. I had no idea he was my neighbor when I bought my house. As fate would have it, I ran... <laughs> just Tom Morello knocking on his door for a cup of sugar and just going, with his guitar. <laughs> As fate would have it, I ran into him for the first time ever after being neighbors for years, walking my dog the same week when... Austria announced that they would force the entire population of the country who are 18 plus to be inoculated. Link below. I asked him to his face if he agreed with Austria doing this. I'm thankful to say he didn't agree. 
He said something along the lines of, it's unfortunate a lot of people aren't trusting science right now, but no, you cannot, as a government, force your entire population to put something in their bodies against their will. Luckily, the people of Austria united against their government in the streets and were able to stop their personal autonomy from being taken away from them. And, like, why the fuck are you bothering Tom Morello? You Literally, the first time that you meet him, you're just like, what do you think about this? <laughs> Do you think Tom Morello knew who he was? Absolutely not. He had no fucking clue. Just heading back from the supermarket with groceries in hand and just accosted by some guy asking him about what he thinks of Austria. And he just says, uh, yeah, I don't like it. Just so you can get away from him. It's such a funny thing. Like uh, you work so hard. You build one of the biggest rock and roll bands in the world. You buy a nice house, and then some fucking rich kid asshole just buys the house next to you. <laughs> you can't get away from them. Can't get away from it. So, uh, very cool stuff. Uh, I did get a correction on last week's episode, by the way. I wanted to acknowledge this. Uh, we had said that uh, Ash's father had directed the first five Rocky movies. That is incorrect. He only did the first and the fifth ones. Uh, so, uh, mea culpa there. Uh, Ash's father is not responsible for the best Rocky movies. He's responsible for the worst Rocky movie. Yeah, uh, five is dog shit. Uh, I rewatched. I rewatched four yesterday. By the way, goddamn, I I get something more out of it every time I watch it. Like Rocky, I watched. I watched a little bit of three uh, a couple <laughs> days ago because I just uh, through the Pluto app on my TV. Mm-hmm. I just get random channels, and one of them is the Rocky channel, and they just show Rocky movies twenty four hours a day. That is the dream. See, that's the tech dream of the future, right? <laughs> I don't give a shit about your apps to like uh, do lab work without my blood, which is nonsense in the first place. I, I just want the option to watch any Rocky movie I want whenever I want. <laughs> well, now you can, and it's free. What? A, God bless America. What a time to be alive. Uh, okay, we should probably wrap things up here. We're going a little bit long. Is there anything you wanted to close the show with? No, I think we've covered a lot of things this week. I think we're good. All right, everybody. Uh, as a reminder, uh, we got bonus episodes over on the Patreon uh, where you can give us some money and listen to this. Uh, as always, if you listen to the show, if you like it, you should probably tell a friend about it. And uh, we're always open to DMs, suggestions, questions, and comments. So get at us. Yeah, we've been getting a lot of listener emails over the past couple of weeks. Uh, Toilethell at gmail.com or Radio at gmail.com. Like I said, you can message us on Twitter at Joe Thrash and Kill at 365 Days of Horror, patreon.com slash Hell and toiletofhell.com. That's the good shit. We'll see you next time, everybody. Bye.
listening to 66.6 FM, Radio TOVH, The Flush.